Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Thank you so much to Projector for sponsoring today's episode. So you might have heard us talk on the last couple of podcast episodes about Projector, which is a new graphic design platform for visual storytelling. And let me tell you something that we're really, really excited about is the fact that they have this highly curated template library, which for me, when you're like, I don't like, I don't know where to start, let alone where to end this thing. Like, please like guide me all the way from the beginning. Um, yeah, like, and show me how to get there. It's the type of thing that, will not only guide you and give you the guardrails, but, and it will also kind of prevent you from making it too ugly. Like, I just think it's one of those types of design tools. And like, you can go through the templates and you can have the sort of palette of a thing or two colors and logo and all of that, and just do your own thing and sort of know that you're like doing, you're going in the right direction. It's it, 100%, 100%. When you sign up a projector, you get access to a library of professionally designed templates for everything from Instagram posts and stories to presentation decks and one-pagers, which feels like, like a strangely huge win. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of starting from scratch every time we need to design a visual for Instagram, I can just go in and find a template that we already like in projector, edit it to add our own personal thing or two vibe. And just like that, it looks great. We can post it. There doesn't have to be a whole lot of back and forth and a lot of like, oh, should we judge this this way? Or like, is this even fitting the general guidelines of graphic design? <laughs> right, because we like already have it set up to be fitting all of those those exactly. guidelines. Exactly. Projector takes a quality or quantity approach to templates, which means you won't have to scroll and scroll and scroll and keep scrolling forever until you find one that works for you. Their templates are all beautiful, functional, and designed for marketers and designers. You will find one you love quickly, promise. Their templates are also great for getting things done at work too. They have polished styles that help you craft an editorial calendar or plan out the week in social media posts, which has been huge for me as Erica knows. I used to like just procrastinate so much on the social media posts because I would struggle with the artwork and now I can get so far ahead. The next time someone asks who designed this, you'll get to have the amazing feeling of answering me. Projector is the design platform for designers, marketers, and creatives with something to say for all the content that needs designing. Whether you're collaborating across a team or you're a one-person show, easily craft brand visuals with approachable yet professional design tools that can keep up with your content calendar. Dream it, then make it. With Projector, everything happens in your browser. There are no downloads required and it's free. Free to sign up, free to use. Give it a try today at projector.com slash a thing or two and make something cool. That's projector.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much for using the special links that these advertisers provide to us because it helps them know that we sent you. Hi there. We wanted to take a second before we get into this episode to thank you for listening. 
We really, really love getting to do this show and your support, whether it's by subscribing, leaving us a review or supporting our advertisers is what makes it possible. We are ridiculously grateful. And I'm sorry that I'm going to do a whole like people are asking influencer energy thing here, but sometimes people do in fact ask us if there are other ways that they can support us. And the answer is yes. Um, our secret menu membership program is a once weekly members only newsletter that costs four bucks a month and your first month's fee goes straight to charity. We cover all sorts of topics. We're talking shopping, gifting, food, entertainment, even advice, and of course, snacks. You can sign up for it all at a thing or two hq.com to start receiving it. And you'll even get access to all the back issues you missed. And if you've made it this far without subscribing to our free Monday newsletter, well, what are you doing? Go ahead and rectify that also at a thing or two hq.com. If all of that sounds like too much effort, we get it. Maybe just take 15 seconds to go smash some stars for us in the rating section of Apple Podcasts. That helps a ton, truly. Thank you. Now on to the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq. Ugh, Erica, I'm so excited for how we are kicking off this episode. Why? Because you're starving? I'm, yes. <laughs> for one. For one. For one. Um, we have Julia Tertian coming on later, which is really exciting and probably which is the like reason most of the you are event. here. Yeah, definitely that's why. Event. Yeah, fine. We know that's what you've come for. However, however, we are kicking off the first of what at least I hope is um, a long running segment. It's a taste test. We haven't, you know, um, we haven't officially named it, but in spirit, working it's called title. Ch- yeah, working, working title, is title. chip chat. When it gets picked up for like a full for like a full yeah. season, then we'll come up with a final name. But for now, it's working title. This is its pilot episode. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I have to give Chris credit for the name Chip Chat. I also have to give him, I have to dock him credit for the fact that he opened the chips before the he chat. Opened the chips before the chat. I like after you told him about the chips being part of the chat. Listeners, I specifically put the chips for the chat in a separate tote bag off to the side, not in the pantry. Come Which is down- the same tactic I used because I was like, but, but what I did is I put them in a tote bag and hung them up with my coats. And you're like, no, bitch, I did the same thing. But nonetheless, my husband went scavenging through the tote bag for the treats. I was incensed. And he was like, do you want me to go out and get more? Like, is no. there, are there not enough left for your taste test? And I was like, no, it's that you didn't listen. It's that you violated the stash. Like, And then they're not the freshy freshest either. That was honestly my biggest concern. So when we get to the vegan cracklins, we're going to have <laughs> to compare how mine tastes with yours. Mm, 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 mm. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, we'll tell everybody what we're going to be tasting. Yes, please. The, the tasting menu. Mm-hmm. We've got the Annie Chun's Gochujang seaweed crisps. Which are like a combination of roasted seaweed with baked brown rice crisps in yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's not a seaweed chip like you're no. all thinking. Yeah, yeah. It's not like the nori sheets. It's not the little slivers that come yeah. in a little box. No, no. And then Very we've got different. the Beanfields <laughs> Vegan Cracklins Chili, le, chili Limon. Chili, chili Limon. limon. That's a very French pronunciation. I will take it. (laughs) For a (laughs) Spanish-inspired snack food. That's right. 
And then we've got the lesser evil power curls, fiery hot. Okay, so let's start with Annie Chun's. Okay, Annie Chun's. I think what we should first do is smell like a, like, mm. you know, put your nose mm-hmm. in that bag and see what your first, what the notes are. It smells like seaweed. It doesn't smell as much like spice as I thought it might. I agree with you. So, right. As Erica mentioned, this is roasted seaweed combined with baked brown rice chips. And it's almost like a layered thing where you've got like the rice chip and then a seaweed sheet on top of it. It's like this little beautiful square tile. It is. It's a very one by one inch little tile, which is seaweed on one side and like translucent brown rice cracker on the other. Texturally, it looks very appealing. I also want to call Annie Chun's, if it's not ringing a bell for you, visually it would. It's like one of the main... Asian food brands carried in grocery stores, but I've, I've never eaten any of their, their snack foods before. Me either. Me either. Should we try these? Yeah. Oh, surprisingly sweet. I, I agree. Surprisingly sweet. Even though it says right on the front, sweet and spicy, I'm still surprised by the sweet. I would say more sweet than spicy. Oh, what yeah. do you think? Definitely. I mean, it, it tastes like a dessert to me. And it's got a little more spice. I could use some more salt on it, though. I'm not going to lie. Claire, I could use more salt on everything. Oh. <laughs> people are prob- people who have, like, hearing, who, who are sensitive to sounds are going to hate how closely I'm, <laughs> I'm chewing oh, to the mic. leaning into the microphones mm-hmm. to chew these. Yeah, no one yeah. probably needs that, huh? You know, I like this. It's, it's much milder than I would have thought. I do find the texture to be really delightful. And I love a seaweed like undertone to any snack food. I do too. I'm wondering what I would eat this with or what I would Mm. like. Would you dip it in something? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. Maybe like a miso yogurt dip or something. Mm. There's that great miso miso yogurt. Yes, I do. That our friend Dan made for Mm -hmm. us once. We should Um, link to it. Yeah, okay, we'll link to that. That's really good. It would be good with this. And maybe like some carrots or something with that. Yeah. I'm picturing. I could also totally see this like sprinkled in like rice or something like that if you wanted to break it up. I'm not someone who's very good at doing stuff like that, but I could totally see it in a salad or like with rice noodles or something like that. Or over like a roasted broccoli or something mm, like a yes. soy roasted broccoli with this on top. I Absolutely. Don't know. Is Annie Chun suggesting that kind of usage? What do they say? No, they're really just saying they're like it's put a this snack in your food. mouth and chew it. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you know the- these snack food companies love to suggest that you sprinkle things in a salad. Let's right. Let's move on to the next. Okay. So Beanfields Vegan Cracklins Chile Limon. Mm-hmm. And Beanfields, I came to know through what I think was their original offering, which was like bean-based chips. That's right. That's right. And these, they claim, are the best vegan cracklins. And that implies, of course, that there's much competition in the <laughs> vegan crackling space. Well, when I was, there is more and more. <laughs> there is for sure. And I, when I was Googling to try to link to these, I found that there's something called snacklins, which is like, they're really clearly trying to dominate the market. I have um, seen those, but have not tried, I don't think. Okay, what do these smell yeah. like? Oh, oh, like chili powder. Like intensely, a lot of, Intensely lot of spicy. Powder. Yeah. In your and they're hand, very like russet colored, and they're like, they curly, They're curly like a pig's tail. Totally, they're made with navy beans and chickpea powder, and like an abs, uh, an, uh, an absolutely ungodly amount of spice on them. It's our. I mean, I've picked up one, and my fingers are coated. It's not a criticism. I like a lot of spice. Like, it looks like a pasta shell or something, or like yeah. cavatelli or something. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's going to be hard. Let's we try, try it. Yeah. Mm. 
I want more lime. I like the flavor. Mm -hmm. I like the texture. Me too. There's too much spice on, like too much of the flavor for me. I want more citrus and less chili powder. Right? Yeah. These are the ones that Chris cracked open. And I understand why he didn't eat more. And it's not because they're bad, but the flavor is really intense. It is intense. You can only eat small doses, you know? You know what I like about this package? Hmm. (laughs) It shows, has Mm -hmm. a picture of a really big vegan crackling. Like a fist size vegan crackling. And then it says enlarged to be bold. And bold is all caps. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, not bolded. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. (laughs) Also, as if anybody thought this was going to be the size of the vegan crackling. It also does say in all caps right on the front, full on flavor. And that is not a lie. Can you think of alt uses for this product besides eating it by itself? I'm mm. picturing like maybe crushed and used as a chick, like a chicken breast oh, totally. or thigh um, yeah. breading, like like vegan crackling crusted tenders. That's right. I love not it. a mouthful at all. No, <laughs> I could see it. I could absolutely see it. Listen, I like the concept of a vegan crackling. And then te- texturally, these are very good. Very good. I wouldn't say they are the exact same texture as a crackling. Like no. I think they're inspired by cracklins. They're not cracklin derived necessarily. Well, I just also, I find it to be a challenge. I challenge the concept that anyone who is interested in a vegan snack product wants a cracklin. I think you're absolutely right about that because a cracklin I think it's is, not something people who are vegan <laughs> are seeking. <laughs> I, I think few vegans are out there being like, but the thing that I is <laughs> that I really miss is a cracklin because a cracklin, even for like the most passionate meat eaters amongst us, is it's a it's a it's an intense meat product. All right. Should we move on to our last? Yeah. So this is the one that you seem most excited about. I, and I will confess that I have tried its companion flavor mm-hmm. um, or its companion product, the Lesser Evil. What's the other one called? Paleo, Paleo Puffs. Puff. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the Lesser Evil Paleo Puffs, which I like a lot. And I couldn't remember what the difference was. And then it's revealed that the Power Curls, which we're about to try, are made from mm-hmm. egg proteins, which okay. I do think is like a very compelling... Because the, the the Paleo Puffs are like cassava flour and okay. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera you know, things cavemen had so much access to. Right, uh, right. We were made to believe. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Unlike wheat, cavemen had a yeah. ton of access to cassava flour. <clears throat> but power curls are the protein rich, also paleo, certified paleo, grain-free, mm-hmm. gluten-free, humanely raised, mm-hmm. gluten-free, non-GMO. And then they have a pepper there as though that's yeah. one of its certifications as well. <laughs> Non-GMO, et cetera, et cetera. I still don't know what macros are, but this has great ones. I felt the same. I don't know what macros are. I don't know um, how to count them. No. But but it says right here on the package, good macros. Yep. Great macros, actually. Great macros. Great macros. Um, Um, All right. Let's let's smell these. Mm, It's got kind of a cheesy... Yeah. And like a little spice, but not not like the other... Not that like strong chili smell. And the shape looks really satisfying. It's like, it's not, it's an irregular little like you Like shape. smiley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, try it. Wow, I love the texture. Yeah, I really like the texture. It is both crunchy and chewy at once. It is a really, the food scientists over there really nailed the texture. Because it's kind of soft. It's not, Crunchy, you know how it like, like melts in your mouth, kind yes. of. Yes, it's 
I've never tasted anything like that texturally. Cause it's not like how, like, it's not the type of crunch that's like sharp. You're not no. going to scrape the roof of your mouth with this. No. Um, I have to say that the paleo puffs have a stronger like coating of flavor on them mm. and are like extremely spicy. And these are a little bit more mellow probably just But these because... have some serious spice No, to them. I know. But the other ones are like even more so. I would eat, I'm going to eat the whole bag. I'm super into these. These, these power curl things mm-hmm. in general, I've eaten a whole bag of before in another flavor. They're really delicious. I would say that the, I want to comment on the actual flavor because I've really given you a lot on the texture, but it's, it's adjacent to a flaming hot flavor. I would say that it's like, it's, oh yeah, it's nowhere near as intense or as acidic, but why it's similar is because it's like, it's got an essence of cheese, but it's not cheesy, but it's spicy. And it definitely sticks around. Mm -hmm. I'm super into a power curl. You know, they're Can not you lying. think of all uses for these? I'm struggling to think of all uses for these. You know what's so funny that I don't think any of these people on their packaging have expect have suggested that we crumble these up and put them in a salad? No, it's weird. Not a single no. I feel like the snap pea, the like well, fro- those freeze-dried snap peas yeah. or whatever, they t- they have all they, kinds yeah. of ideas. <laughs> Cam loves those. Okay, what these what they do say about these, which is interesting, is that you can feel good about taking these for a dip or double dip. And I'm not sure I would never think to dip this. No, me either. But I guess you could do in like a blue cheese or something. I mean, that'd be delicious and decadent. Like a buffalo and situation. Would make me feel like a stoner a little bit because it's really for feels sure. Like, I mean it doesn't feel like these need more flavor. These are absolutely the my favorite of the three. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, while you keep munching, can I intro our guest? Please do. Um, we have Julia Tertian, who is the author of some of our very favorite cookbooks, including Small Victories, Now and Again, Feed the Resistance, and her newest one, Simply Julia, which is out next week. We are so, so excited to talk to her. She also hosts an IACP-nominated podcast called Keep Calm and Cook On, and she's just a joy. She is. And you and I both read her cookbook over the weekend and like really read it. And I, I'm not someone who genuinely like sits down and reads a cookbook. I know you are. I did. And with like total joy and pleasure, she is so caring for her readers and for her audience. And she really is someone who teaches you how to cook, not just like gives you recipes. And it, it, I think any of her cookbooks, especially Simply Julia would be amazing gifts for anybody in your life who doesn't feel confident cooking and needs to sort of get their training wheels. All right, let's get Julia on. Thank you so much to Best Fiends for sponsoring today's episode. I've been thinking a lot lately about the importance of just doing certain things that truly have no end goal. Like they're Mm. not about self-improvement. They're not about education. It's not about achieving something. Because you and I have talked about how we have such a hard time, even when it comes to like our our recreation time being like, oh yeah. What movie should I watch? Because I could use it in the newsletter. Or Or it's the one that everyone's talking about. Exactly. And do I need to have seen that to be part of the cultural conversation? Exactly, Erica. (laughs) And like, there's just always like taking these sort of like, how productive is it ideas into consideration? And I've been really liking the idea of like things like phone games as just like, there's truly no end to it. Like it's just to let your brain go. And well, and not everything in your life should be homework. 
Exactly. Exactly. I also find this is like a nice way to wake up your brain in the morning. That's that's not Instagram. That's not Twitter. Um, that's just like, it's just a soft, soft entry into the world. And can I tell you, Best Fiends is truly a soft entry into the world each morning. Like it's just sweet little characters. The bad characters aren't even all that bad. Like it just feels like a, a nice gentle way. To the stakes are low. The stakes are low. That's, That's what right. we need. The stakes so are low. So we don't know. <laughs> Best Fiends <laughs> is the can't put it down mobile game that is free to download with over a hundred million downloads. 100 million. That's so many. This five-star rated mobile game is a must-play. Best Fiend is a cast of fiends who help solve each level and defeat the slugs, the slimy, but still, as we mentioned, cute baddies. Once you download Best Fiends, you can't put it down. With Best Fiends, the fun never ends. And no exaggeration, there are 5,000 puzzle levels and counting. But again, like it's not necessarily about progress. It's just the escape. <laughs> it's just these lovable characters that you're hanging out with for a period of time. Exactly. Don't blame us if you get end up kind of obsessed. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Thank you so much to Kula for sponsoring today's episode. So the older I get, the more <laughs> I like understand the the jar of thick moisturizer. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like before it was like, oh, like a pump of like, you wanted something like lightweight and like, like a, a thin <laughs> oil and like yes. whatever that you just like press into your face. And now I'm like, no, I want something that I like have two scoops of with mm-hmm. my fingers. You want something heavyweight. I want something heavyweight. And I am extremely, extremely happy that that is what Kula is offering me. Kula has a new Great Barrier Cream Fortifying Moisturizer that is like, it's like satisfyingly thick. You know what I mean? Um, And it comes in a jar that just makes you feel like I am an adult woman who is taking care of herself. (laughs) (laughs) I agree completely. Listen, Kula pioneered healthy sun protection. And they also know that most of us are looking for more than just sun protection from our products, which I appreciate because, you know, we don't need like a million bottles on our countertop. We just need the ones that really work and have all the stuff we need. So Kula just launched a new organic skincare collection that supports your skin's natural barrier to help fight modern day skin aggressors like blue light, toxins, dry air, and even your lifestyle. It's your first line of protection to keep moisture and nutrients in and modern day environmental and digital stress out. So there's their Great Barrier Cream Fortifying Moisturizer, which Erica just this talked is the one. about. This yeah, is the one. That's the one that makes her feel like an adult. It harnesses the healing power of the sea with organic ingredients like sea kelp and blue algae to boost hydration and help strengthen your skin's natural barrier. There's also the new Vital Rush Skin Renewal Serum that revitalizes stressed skin with an organic blend of plant power ingredients. And, and, and my like new HG that I'm obsessed with is the award-winning sun silk drops from Kula. These are fan favorite sheer drop. They are truly so sheer. They provide lightweight broad spectrum SPF 30 and Kula's full spectrum 360 degree technology to help mitigate the effects of blue light, IR, and pollution. You can use them alone or blended with your favorite moisturizer or foundation because guess what? They're like so thin and weightless. You can truly like put them on with anything else. This we do still want as a thin and weightless situation. Yes, yes, that's right. I don't need my sunscreen to be like the bulk. (laughs) Um, Want to give your skin what it's really craving? Check out the new Kula Organic Skincare on Kula.com. They'll even give you 10% off your first order with the code a thing or two. That's Kula.com and use code a thing or two for 10% off. We are so grateful to you for using these codes. They help advertisers know that you care about what we're recommending, you know, and they keep them coming back. So thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. 
As a leading functional medicine practitioner, I have had the unique position to see so many alchemize their pain and health problems to their purpose. Now I want the same for you. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers, where there is a fresh infusion of grace and lightness into wellness. This is the art of being well. Join me every Thursday for a new episode. Julia, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to both of you. And it's so nice to see you, even though we are far away. (laughs) Even though we are far away, Julia, we honestly will have you anytime. Um, one of the things we wanted to talk about in relation to this glorious, glorious cookbook is that it's really rooted in the ideas of healthy eating and also comfort food. And both of those two categories feel like things that people have a lot of thoughts and feelings and maybe a, you know, pent up, uh, history with, mm-hmm. how do you think about those two categories and how have those feelings changed over time? Yeah, it's a great question because they are, both those words are so loaded and then you yes. put them together and it's like, whoa, wow. what, is, what is this? <laughs> um, I mean, the way I came to that subtitle is thanks to my wife, Grace, who you both know. And um, Grace is just very smart and wonderful. And one of the many things I love about her, she just like gets straight to the point mm-hmm. really quickly. And I, my whole career and really my whole life, because I've loved to cook for so long, I have always loved to eat and cook food from everywhere. And I have had a hard time answering the question, what kind of food do you make? Like when people are like, oh, you're like, you write cookbooks or you like to cook, like what kind of food do you do or something like that? And I like will spend an hour answering that question as I am right now. (laughs) (laughs) And so when it came to the subtitle for this book, I was sort of talking about that with Grace and she was like, you make healthy comfort food. Like that's what you do. That's like your specialty. And it just felt so like crystal clear. So that's sort of how that came to be. But then also like, okay, so what is that? Right. (laughs) What does that mean? And so for me, it means just even in the way I just said that, it means something really personal. Like, and I will tell you what it means for me. I won't keep avoiding the question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But my feeling in this book is just to, my goal, I guess, is to encourage everyone to define that for themselves, to define what does healthy mean for you? What does comfort mean for you? What do those things mean together? And to sort of embrace the fact that like the definitions are very different for all of us and those definitions can evolve. So for me, healthy means my entire relationship to food. It's not just like, am I eating something green and something, I don't know, a whole grain or these kinds of things that I think get talked about a lot. It's really about like, how am I feeling when I'm eating? And for me, in terms of the evolution of that, which I think you asked, that has changed a lot because I used to feel as much as I love to cook and have for so long, I used to feel like incredibly scared of a lot of what I ate. And Mm. I had a lot of guilt wrapped up into it and just like a whole slew of stress and anxiety and kind of like body image stuff. And I wouldn't say that I live without any of those things anymore, like, you know, work in progress, but I am so happy to be in a place where I feel just a great sense of freedom when I'm cooking and eating and a great sense of calm and for me, that feels really healthy to not feel scared of what I eat, to find pleasure in it. You know, we get to, if we're lucky, we get to eat multiple times a day, whatever we want. And I think of meals as like each is an opportunity to get pleasure. <laughs> like how amazing is that? So those are the things I think of when I think of healthy. It's not about vegetables or, you know, 
what's missing from my plate. You know, it's not about restriction of any kind. And I think, you know, if, if this episode had to be 10 seconds and nothing else, like the message I want to get across most importantly is like healthy does not equal skinny and vice versa. Like Mm -hmm. those things are not synonyms. And in terms of comfort, I would say kind of, you know, really the same thing, like food that feels really healthy to me also feels really comforting and really comfortable too, you know, and that is true from the moment I'm buying groceries. Like I don't want to feel stressed out about it, you know, to cooking, you know, I want to feel as calm as possible in my kitchen. And of course, when it comes to eating, you know, I just want to feel really comfortable and comforted and getting to offer those things to myself, you know, someone who cooks all the time, like I eat the meals that I cook. That feels like a pretty amazing thing to be able to do for myself. So did that answer your question? Yeah, kind of? okay. definitely. I also <laughs> like, I really like the word comfortable, which I don't really think about in association with food a lot. Um, and it feels very useful. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. Yeah. All of this. I like re- that. I'm now like, should I? <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because comforting <laughs> is one thing, but comfortable is something yeah, else. Yeah. And yeah. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels like you're like actively participating in yeah. it as yeah. opposed to it doing it to you. Yeah. Yeah. I just agree. I'm just not. (laughs) (laughs) This all feels like it relates to this essay um, in the book called On the Worthiness of Our Bodies, Mm -hmm. which I think spoke a lot to both of us. And you are so honest in it. And I think probably like most people who read it relate to it. Can you talk about how your experience with your body has evolved, especially as it relates to your job, which is food writing? And you talk about this thing that like, hit closer to home than I wanted it to, which is like, Mm. you had this realization that you had two states basically either being happy or fat Mm -hmm. um, or feeling happy or fat, Mm -hmm. I guess I should say, which is like such a like sad thing to realize. Right. But, and, and it hit me like, Oh my God, you really felt that way. And then I was like, okay, but like, if I'm really honest with myself, could I also say that maybe that's been true of me for a lot of, for much of my life? And we've talked um, about this there too. I remember there was like some conversation we had walking down a street in Dumbo where we talked about, God, the time when I felt like the best about my body, I felt like the shittiest about everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like clearly from a place of control or just like being, like dealing with stress or anxiety in really specific ways. Again, a lot of nodding. I really appreciate you bringing this essay up and I'm both so happy and also so sad to know that it resonated Mm -hmm. um, because I think that essay is a combination of a lot of things Um, Mm -hmm. and not just, you know, happy or fat or happy or sad. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a mixture of things. So I guess just for the benefit of anyone who hasn't, you know, read it in the cookbook, there's a handful of essays that kind of tackle some topics that I think should be, you know, there's space for them in a book that's about healthy comfort food, this thing we're talking about. So this one is the one that feels totally like the most vulnerable, but also like the most important. And I'm so glad it's in there. And it's just, yeah, this really like honest reflection about my kind of evolving relationship to my body and body image and all of that. So, um, your question was like, how has that changed? Yeah. And, and okay. how does your, how has your, um, you know, occupation as, as a food yeah. writer influenced your evolution with, yeah. with this? It's, this? it's interesting what you said, Erica, about the conversation the two of you had about like feeling best about your body when other things were 
not feeling great. That definitely rings true for me. And heard something in that that you said about like, you know, sort of everything feeling like stressful or out of control. So food is this place where we can assert so much control. We can restrict things. We can deny ourselves things. We can do all these things that are exercises of control that I think ultimately, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but like ultimately I think actually make us feel pretty miserable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And yeah, the opposite of like free and calm and happy and all those things I was talking about before. So, you know, I have had alongside my lifelong love of food and cooking, also a lifetime of feeling really fraught about all those things. And that is informed by a lot of things, not just one, but one is just, you know, the pervasive diet culture that we are all immersed in. And that was very much the, I don't know, background music of my childhood. But yeah, like both my parents were always like on different diets. My mom, like very much so, she has a complicated relationship with her body. I am sharing stuff she has told me is like okay to share. And like she and I, our conversation around it has evolved over the years. But basically, yeah, and I like experienced a lot of bullying when I was younger about my body and the size of it. And I just hated my body. And I didn't know there were other options. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I had this sort of light bulb moment one day a couple of years ago because I started the process of it, it. To me, everything I'm talking about right now, when I like when I close my eyes, the image I see is like a really complicated knot and. I started the process of trying to just untie that and understand it. Like I knew I felt icky (laughs) and I felt sad often, but I didn't really understand why. And these things I'm able to talk calmly about now took me years to really like understand. And part of that was one day this realization where I was like, oh my gosh, like I have only ever felt two things. Like I have felt happy or fat. And first of all, fat is not a feeling. (laughs) So there's that. Um, Second, I had you know, limited all of my feelings to just two. (laughs) And there's a lot of feelings out there. And that meant I was denying so many of them. Do you think that that, sorry to interrupt you. Do you think that, that that is because you felt when you felt fat and like scare quotes on felt because it's not Mm -hmm. a feeling you didn't allow yourself to feel happy at the same time. Mm. Yeah, totally. That feels really accurate. And I had like also it felt like fat was anything other than happy. So exactly mm-hmm. what you just said, mm-hmm. Claire, like those two things couldn't exist at the right. same time. Like that never occurred to me because I had never seen it. You know, I grew up mm-hmm. around a lot of people who thought like the worst thing you could be was fat. And I never knew there was an option where you could be fat and happy or, right. you know, not be trying to change your body. So as I began to untangle all of that, which I, you know, yeah, talk about a lot in the essay to sort of answer your other question in terms of like my career as like a cookbook author, as like a food writer, you know, whatever I am, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's actually, it's brought upon a lot of reflection for me on this work because I didn't know this when I started writing recipes, but I've come to understand that writing recipes is a place where I have tried to exert so much control over food. Mm. You know, my career is measured in teaspoons. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like paying, we just witnessed yeah. a major therapy breakthrough. <laughs> I'm like, wow, <laughs> you just dropped some really yeah. impre- impressive analysis.
Thank you so much to Upstart for sponsoring today's episode. Whenever we get uh, approached by any sort of financial product to partner on this show as a sponsor, I think we both get a little clenchy because we're so... Uh, well, we're not we, financial advisors. Exactly. Yeah. And it feels like we're really hesitant to endorse a financial product unless we know for sure that it's a good one. And there's just such a high likelihood of something being like predatory or scammy. And we don't want to get behind something like that. And this one was interesting because we went to a lot of media outlets and just sort of like resources that we trust to read about it. And we were slacking back and forth. And I was like, we were both like, I think this actually looks really legit and actually like really useful. Um, Something we would want people to know about and be able to do the digging on their own. Exactly, exactly. So Upstart accepts and approves borrowers who are new to credit or who don't have great credit because they look at factors beyond just credit history when making decisions about your loan. And that was really interesting to us because you obviously have to be able to get credit in order to build credit. And that's just not a fair system for everyone. So if you have a credit card or multiple credit cards that you've been avoiding dealing with, which like I, we have all been there where you just like don't even want to know what the balance is. It feels easier just ignoring it. Where you Upst- only like look with one eye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like sort of like peeking through, <laughs> through your fingers. Upstart can help you confront it and pay it off in a way that feels manageable. Listen, last year was really hard on everyone and for a lot of people that involve financial difficulties and as tempting as it is to hide from it or, you know, like only open the bill halfway. It's much more empowering to face it and figure out how you're going to solve it. Upstart is the fast and easy way to get a personal loan to pay off your debt all online, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt or funding personal expenses. Over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Upstart finds smarter rates with trusted partners because they assess more than just your credit score. So with a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans from one to $50,000. You can get approved the same day and can receive funds as fast as one business day. If debt is taking over your life, it's time to get a fresh start with Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash a thing or two. That's upstart.com slash a thing or two. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash a thing or two. I've always felt this tension of being someone who loves the process of writing recipes. Like I love giving people really clear instructions, making you feel like, like for me, cooking at home is like the least stressful thing in my life. It's what I do to feel calm and connected to myself. And I know for so many people, it stresses them out so much. And so my whole career, I have just wanted to alleviate some of that stress. So I try to do that in a number of ways, including suggesting lots of like variations on things. Like if you don't have this ingredient, use this. It's not a big deal, all that kind of stuff. But I also feel this tension because as much as I love that process and love writing recipes and love figuring out the exact amount of something so you don't have to, I never, unless I'm working on a cookbook, I never, ever follow recipes. (laughs) Like I cook completely intuitively. I just use up whatever we have, that kind of thing. So I have not always known how to reconcile those two parts of myself. And I realized Mm. the like attempt to quantify things, like that's a big thing for me when it comes to like food and weight and body image stuff. Like it's just sort of, you know, comparison syndrome stuff. Like it could be my weight, um, you know, like that number, like I have an emotional reaction to that. I'll add, I like threw out my scale a few years ago. I have no idea what I weigh. So, you know, I have no idea, but that's like one way we count things and measure ourselves against ourselves and each other. Just like, I think a lot of people do with like 
how many followers do you have on social media or like how many reviews of your product are on whatever site right, like right. you know we have all these ways to like count or how many steps quantify. you take in each day exactly yeah. exactly all of it yeah yeah. 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 Oh, my therapist recently was like, you need to delete that thing on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> she actually gave me really good advice, which I'll share, which is like, when you want to go look at the step counter or whatever, like whatever yeah. the, the, you the know, health the scale, app or whatever, yeah. like mm-hmm. whenever you're looking for that, when you're refreshing your social media thing, whatever it is, just like the step she gave me was like, because the idea of deleting some of these th- things feels overwhelming to me. I know I'm on a tangent. And in some like cases impractical. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. So she was like, when you go to check these numbers, like just take a second and be curious and ask yourself, like, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. And mm. like asking myself that question has been really, really helpful. So that anyway, feels like profound advice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just like giving you the best hits of my I know. Sessions. Love your therapist. <laughs> love it's her. like thousands of free dollars we're getting right, right here. <laughs> it's like it's years of sessions boiled <laughs> down to 10 minutes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, I'm <laughs> just getting a real laugh out of that. So yeah, I've always felt this tension of like writing recipes, but also like pushing away from them, like not wanting to follow them and just, yeah, getting really curious about that distinction and understanding that I think part of that is, I think myself now doesn't want to be a person who measures everything and wants to go towards also the part of me that's always been there, the part of me that just wants to cook and just live intuitively and be a person who's not count. You know, I was on and off Weight Watchers for like over a decade, you know, like it's very hard for me to not calculate point amounts of things. Like it's so ingrained in me. And it's like, I got like my lowest weight, which corresponded with my sort of lowest point. was a moment when I was like, I cannot count everything I eat for the rest of my life. Like I'm miserable. Like this just doesn't feel good. Take this one back to your therapist. I don't know what Mm -hmm. she'd have to say about it, but I think the thing that occurred to me as you were describing this like tension between writing recipes, but never following them, is that something that I feel really passionately about in relation to your work is that I think that you set people up to cook intuitively. Like you really teach people how to be cooks through your recipes, which I is like, I just think such a generous, caring thing that you do. And so I, to me, it doesn't feel like a tension that you don't follow recipes yourself. Mm. Well, anyway, yeah. When you were saying you live your life in teaspoons, I was like, no, because you give it like you, (laughs) you create all this flexibility and in every like header Mm. for a recipe, it's like, or do this or do Mm -hmm. that. Or like maybe mix eggs in, or I don't know. Mm. Like, and you're like, oh, this is how you get ideas. And this is how you actually learn to cook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thanks guys. (laughs) Like all means a lot. When you're thinking about developing recipes that fit into especially the parameters of this cookbook, the like healthy comfort food, mm-hmm. how are you thinking about like how to shape a recipe or to mm-hmm. give it qualities that you feel healthy and comforting? Yeah, um, that's a really great question that again brings me back to my wife, Grace, because when I was at the moment of, I think I had sold the book and pretty much figured out my table of contents and I was getting into the part of the process where I was writing a ton and starting the recipe testing process. It coincided with Grace closing Design Sponge, which was her business of 15 years. And so we've both always worked from home. We're used to being with each other all day, every day. Like the pandemic is, we're very well suited for it, which we had no idea would be the case. Um, but anyway, she, Grace tested every recipe in this book. And so she like took that time 
um, you know, the immediate like couple months after closing her site to really like support me in this book. And it was like this pretty amazing process, including like so much of everything we're talking about, about like body image and stuff. Like, again, for me, goes back to her. Like, sh- I think she saw how miserable I was and also was living, you know, in a marriage with someone who hated their body. And that's not fun to be around. And, you know, wasn't, you know, being two women in a relationship, we both come with our own sort of body image baggage and stuff. And mine wasn't helping hers and, you know, all that. And she was very encouraging of like, there's other options, like, you don't have to live this way. So, so much of all these things we're talking about, I've very much like learned from her and been supported in this by her. And so when she was testing the recipes, I promise I'm getting full circle (laughs) on this. um, She would often kind of be the sort of like built-in pause button to reflect on this because I would say something like, I don't know, there's, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, there are the, there's a recipe in the side dish chapter for these really delicious grits. They have, it's like all the flavors of ranch dressing. It's like mustard and some dried dill and all these things. And um, they're like these cheesy ranch grits. They're really good. And, you know, I was like putting in like a tiny bit of like cheese or like maybe they, they can just be ranch grits, not cheesy ones. And, and then she was like, what's wrong with cheese? Like, why aren't you putting the cheese in? And I was like, oh, healthy. And she was like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> like, it, would these be better with that? Would they taste better? Would you have a more pleasurable experience eating it? Like, cause that's healthy too. And like being scared of this type of thing. So that was a big part of the process, kind of going back and forth with her on ingredients. And I mean, a lot of the recipes in the book, not every single one, but the majority of them are informed by two things. One is again, grace, because all of this cooking is, you know, from my kitchen to yours. And our kitchen is the one that produces all of our meals. And we are, you know, we eat all of our meals at home, which was true, like pre-pandemic, because we live in a pretty rural area. And yeah, a few years ago, Grace was diagnosed as an adult with type 1 diabetes, which she can and does eat anything she wants. But in terms of like managing insulin and stuff, which is a complicated um, equation that she deals with like every minute of every day, you know, eating a slightly like lower carb diet makes those swings just a little easier to manage. So that is, I mean, we just, I just made like spaghetti for lunch. It's not like we don't eat like carbohydrates in our house, but her kind of health needs and stuff inform a lot of what we both cook and eat. And then also we do a lot of volunteering in our community and we cook at an organization that's kind of like a local Meals on Wheels program. And all the clients are homebound for a variety of reasons. Um, So it's a lot to consider in the preparing of the meals. But for the most part, we're trying to make healthy comfort food. We're trying to make food that people want to eat because a lot of them are on like medications. They need to be eating. It has to be appealing. You know, it should be They might have lost their appetite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But also we want to make sure to pack those meals with like as many like, you know, vitamins and like wonderful things to make them feel better. So it's, you know, it's like the obvious stuff. It's like a lot of vegetables and a lot of like lean protein and all that kind of stuff. But it's like with like no fear of flavor or like personality or anything like that. So that's where so many of the recipes in the book come from. So in terms of sort of like the logistics of what influence like what I deem to be healthy or not it sort of comes from just I guess just a lot of consideration of who I'm cooking for 
One of the things that was very easy to glean when when reading the book is just how much credit you give in general mm-hmm. um, to the sort both you know the sources of the recipes from the other cookbook authors you may have drawn from or restaurants that you'd eaten at or even that your parents had eaten at, mm-hmm. um, or, and also Dr. Prager's. Oh, and Dr. Dinosaur shaped nuggets that Cam loves and apparently Grace also loves. Yeah, it all goes back to Grace. <laughs> I just I, I just think there are a few cookbooks that shout out Dr. Prager. So I yeah, mean I less I, than there should be. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um how do you think about attribution in food, which is something you've been, I, I think, very good at for a long time? Hmm. But a lot of people are sort of just catching up on. Yeah. I'm glad it seems that way to you. I, I don't know that I've been good at it for a long time. It's, it's something I'm always trying to be better at. I think it's incredibly important for obvious reasons. I think that, you know, if something inspired something, like what a great story to tell as opposed to like, how do I make this mine? How do I like, how do I become the whatever? I mean, a really interesting fact that I feel like a lot of people don't know is that you cannot copyright a recipe, which sometimes I feel like when I share that with people, they're like really surprised, but I don't think it's surprising at all. Cause I think if you could like three cookbooks would exist, right? <laughs> like I didn't invent roasted chicken. I didn't invent tomato sauce or I don't know, chocolate cake or any of these things that I, you know, write recipes for. I mean, I pay a lot of attention to the ones I put in my book and how I'm, you know, writing the steps and all that stuff. Like, I mean, I'd be happy to get into like all those details more, but what you can copyright, which when I say that is, it means like essentially like what you can claim ownership of and what feels original is the story. And, you know, why is this roast chicken the one that I'm sharing? Why is this tomato sauce the one that I'm like telling you to spend your money on ingredients and time to make, you know, and in sharing those sort of stories in the context around recipes, that is what makes me love the work I do and love cookbooks. And it's why I've loved cookbooks my whole life. All I ever want to know is what everyone had for lunch. And I will like be asking both of you that. <laughs> like, <laughs> please stop recording. Because, and I used to, my parents worked full time when I was growing up. And when they came home, no matter how late it was at night, like I would stay up so I could ask them what they had for lunch at work. Like, <laughs> Because it made me feel like, oh, like you're going to this thing called the office. Like, where is, you know, like when I was little. Gave you some context. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but what happens there? And like, what do you actually do? And when I found out whatever they had for lunch, I was like, okay, like I can imagine it. I can visualize (laughs) it. And that continues to be true to this day about people across the world. Like that is how I feel like I understand the world. So Again, super long answer to your question, but in terms of giving credit, like where credit is absolutely due, it's not just something I do because I absolutely agree. Like, I think it's like the right thing to do. It's also because like, what a joy it is to share all of these um, moments of like connection and the most gratifying part of my work and the thing that I never anticipated when I started doing my own cookbooks, because I've done a lot of collaborative ones, but doing my own has allowed me to connect with so many queer women who reach out to me and tell me about, you know, what it means to see me, you know, as a woman use the word wife over and over in my cookbooks, what it's meant to their families and stuff. And to have that feels major. That's really special. It really is. Whose work do you follow and who do you wish were getting uh, a bigger sort of piece of this Hmm. food media pie? 
Um, fantastic question and so hard to answer because like the list is so long. Yeah. So I will just first say a couple of years ago, I founded a database called Equity at the Table, which kind of speaks to a lot of the things we're talking about. It's a database for um, women and non-binary and gender non-conforming people in food who identify as either not white or as queer and, or both obviously. And there are like about a thousand members of the site. So I would say first and foremost, just scroll there, them, <laughs> scroll away. Them. Yeah, yeah. Them. Um, but specifically like, yeah, if I get the chance to shout some people out, I think uh, Mavis J. Sanders and Cicely Sierra Johnson, who run a company called Food Plus People, they're amazing. Their products are great. They make things like this pancake mix. You just add water. They're the most delicious pancakes. They make awesome hot sauces and um, like spice rubs and stuff like that. But also the way they approach all of this and just how they speak about what they make. And it's they're just awesome. Um, and I think this pretty shining example of like a Black queer couple kind of bringing a lot of joy and love to their work and showing us what that looks like. So I think they're amazing. Yeah, I mentioned Patty Hinoch before. I love her show. <laughs> so I follow that. Yawande, who writes for The Times and who's working on her Nigerian cookbook. I think she's one of the absolutely most just talented and seasoned recipe testers and developers. Like I trust her work so much. Like if it's a Yawande recipe, I'm like, oh, this is totally going to work. And I think she has a lot of just smart insights and stories to tell. So that's someone who comes to mind. I'll say something that I I would like to see more that I don't see a lot is a conversation about the intersection of food and disability. And mm. I think that's just so important, whether it's like, you know, kitchen design or like the accessibility of certain ingredients. Like a lot of people who are like, who care a lot about sort of like, quote unquote, farm to table and maybe aren't thinking totally about what that actually means. I don't know. And then like, will shake their head at something like pre-cut vegetables at the grocery right. store or something. And I'm like, no, those actually like help a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that. And so I think that's a conversation I wish I saw more in food media. Julia, thank you so much for coming on. This was so wonderful as oh, always. This, I, re- I really feel like this was a great therapy session. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and much more on a thing or two HQ.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Backstory. And wow, is this a full circle moment for us. Um, Backstory was founded by the one and only Kalia Hargrove, who was a of-a-kind intern back in the day. And just one of our very favorite people. And honestly, like one of the most impressive people that we've worked with. She's just so wonderful. She was one of those like she was probably like 19 or 20 at the time. And you were like, oh, you're so put together and so polished and like... And so thoughtful. And how? How exactly did this happen? (laughs) And like makes you feel embarrassed about who you were and how you behaved at that age because I... That's kind of what I'm trying to (laughs) say. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
How are you like this? And I was nowhere, nowhere near this. It's been so exciting to watch her launch her own company now and just be like, wow, like you, you go, you do it. It's, it's been really amazing. And her client list is so impressive. Um, yeah, we're just so excited to tell you about Backstory. So yes, to dive into Backstory, it is a full service marketing agency working to help share your brand story with the world through a lens of diversity and inclusion. Their main service areas are brand positioning, social media strategy, influencer marketing, content development, copywriting and editing, crisis management, and DEI policy development. Backstory is a Black woman-owned business and all of the projects are completed through the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion. With every project, Backstory does what they can to identify opportunities to amplify the voices of people from minoritized communities. Kalia Backstory's founder worked in marketing for almost 10 years at companies like Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein, and Teen Vogue, where she always pushed for diversity and emphasized its importance. We cannot say enough about how wonderful and smart and just like winning and charming and perfect Mm -hmm. she is. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) We cannot say enough how wonderful and smart and just like winning and charming and excellent Kalia is. Check out Backstory today at tellyourbackstory.com. That's tellyourbackstory.com and follow the brand on at Backstory Consulting on Instagram.